How did you end up selling your business for 25 million quid? Then we bought this 4,000 square foot office that could fit like 80 people in it. We only had six people at a time. We just had this inherent belief that we we could just do it and made them 15 million quid in five years. I just didn't, it was one of the darkest, if not the darkest moment in my life. I thought I was unstoppable. I acted at times like I was unstoppable. You know, go out on a night out, spend 10, 12 grand because I could, you know, three different Range Rovers, spend 16 grand on a three night stay in Sardinia, all these, I'm showing off. These are just mm. at a time I thought I was, at no point did I think what would happen, what would happen. What's the name of the fellow who did that? He's, I, I, he's, uh, one of the Dragon's Den. Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Chris O'Connell is an entrepreneur that sold his recruitment business for £25 million. He tells his story of how one of the dragons from Dragon's Den left him absolutely nothing, from a party boy lifestyle to losing a multi-million pound business. This is the eventful life of Mr. Chris O'Connell. Chris, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to it. Cheers, Dodge. Yeah, mate. Really looking forward to this one. Um, This roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you end up selling your business for 25 million quid? Right, I'll go right back to my childhood then. So I was born in Slough, I say West London. (laughs) Um, I was born in a caravan and um, quite a sort of poor upbringing in terms of financial stuff and all that kind of stuff. So my dad used to work on the railways. I I was was living in a caravan. He came home, um, used to work all night on the railways. He came home middle of the night. I was half naked hanging out the caravan window. My brother was sick everywhere because he raided the fridge. He said, where's mummy? We didn't know. She fucked off, left us there all night, abandoned us and never seen, never saw her since. So she didn't turn up for the court case and just left my dad with us two, me and my brother. Um, I was two, my brother was three. My dad wasn't financially capable, emotionally capable, stable, able to kind of manage himself really, uh, let alone two boys. So um, he just wasn't a very intimate father and he didn't, he didn't know what to do with it. So I was fostered for four years between the ages of three and seven. That gave me an idea of what family life was like a little bit. Then my dad took us back um, into a council flat. And I always used to remember, he used to work on the railways. And then I had to get up at five o'clock in the morning, walk to his station, and then walk to school on my own. So my foster mum said I was always kind of like the parent of the family, even at like three or four years old. I had to kind of just fend for myself from a really early age, right? So I went to, a, went to, a, um, went to the, uh, that school and um, then went to a grammar school, got called a piking, got bullied and all that, had a free dinners and all that kind of stuff. Just felt really unworthy and kind of not nurtured. And then my dad remarried, we moved into a council house and she was a nightmare. She, was, she used to like beat me up and just stop me seeing my friends. So my first two female role models, my mum and my stepmom, absolutely kind of like ruined me in terms of my emotional state. I felt very uh, vulnerable, unworthy, and kind of like I didn't know what to do with with big groups of people or or build know how to build relationships. So I kind of battled through school. I didn't complete a full week in the in the last year at grammar school. <clears throat> Skyed my dad's um, notes. Um, you just take my bike out quite a lot, just ride around, and then try and find train stations where I could like get on my bike and just. 
jump in front of a train. So at a very young age, like 12, 13, 14, suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, if you like, just pretty fucked up, right? And I know, I know people have had, everyone's got their story, everyone's had adversity, and there's a lot of people out there have got a lot worse adversity than that. But I just, I just don't feel I was very, I was nurtured or brought into the world very well. So, but what it did do, it gave me a lot of drive, right? So um, I left home at about 14, 15, um, worked in a petrol station all night at the weekends, worked in a hardware shop just to kind of like pay for my my flat that I had. Got involved with different crowds of people and all that kind of stuff. And then um, joined a big recruiter called S3, one of the biggest recruiters out there. 1.4 billion pound business, uh, 4,000 people in it across 60 offices in 20 countries. I walk in there like ordinarily you'd think I'd have no chance in that environment. Very, very shy person. I walk in there, they're all, most of them got like Ferraris, big suits, big ties, you know, you can eat your dinner off their shoes kind of thing. They're walking around like selling ice to Eskimos. For some reason, it was I just kind of fell in love with it. I just thought this is a bit of me. This is my vehicle. This is my vehicle to, to get out of the situation that I'm in. And then I became the... How old, how old were you when you went into the industry? 21, 21. 20. So, um, yeah, this was like 1998. Um, <clears throat> so in the in the first year uh, I became the UK top biller and then the worldwide top biller for the whole group for the whole business was billing nearly a million quid a year absolutely smashed it out of the park uh, built teams became a director and made them 15 million quid in five years left there set on my own business in 2003 in nine years got that to 100 people 25 million quid turnover business on an annual basis couple of inquiry a bit dar 14 industry awards or southwest entrepreneur of the year and people say now it was if it was one of the best if not the best recruitment business out there we just absolutely knocked it out of the park and then one day i was about to open up how a, old were you yeah when well, you set your business up i was oh, 22 23 millionaire at 24 25 or 26 really to be honest with you I was like buying millionaire rent. on paper or millionaire in the bank on paper not in it was all tied up in the business yeah. right i had seven houses i had all that kind of stuff and <laughs> it was all, all fly, like, good for you chris yeah no, job, yeah. I, I bought i uh, bought this um sort of rose gold ap watch for like 35 grand a week later i thought oh, i want that in chrome as well it was a bit of a bit of like a, a quite a flash harry with the money it was young yeah i was range rovers and all this kind of gone holidays and it was all it was all it was all great um and we were going well. I wanted to drive the business into different countries. And then my business partner walked in one day and said... So you had it. So so the business you were in where you were learning your trade for five years, hmm. you built up everything you need to know, your knowledge and your contacts. Yeah. Then you went, you know what? I'm off skis. I'm going to go and set up myself. Do it myself, yeah. Did they, have no, did they have no clause on you? Did they have anything sort of non-compete or anything on you? Yeah, they did. But like kind of, we kind of did it subtly. We went, we, I believed in ourselves so much that we went for other parts of the market. So... We did quite well the first couple. The first year was quite slowly, and then we got to a point where we this had, is when you're on your own, yeah, you set up by yourself. Yeah, did you have a business partner? No, me there? and my business partner set it up together. Okay, we got it to like half a million quid. Got to three or four people, and I said, "All right, we got we got we got to go for this." Then we bought this four thousand square foot office that could fit like eighty people in it. We only had six people at a time. We just had this inherent belief yeah. that we could we could just do it, and uh, yeah, from a, even from a very young age, I just I just I just knew. I had it in me to do this, to walk in S3 and do that and to set my business. So whatever my mum did to me, it was kind of like, it kind of gave me this inherent steel that that nothing else as bad as that can happen to me. I'm going to go for this. Mm. 
So we were just absolutely flying, absolutely flying. And then um, he walked in one day, he just had his third child and, and he said he didn't want to do it anymore. I Your business like, partner? Yeah. What's his name? Pete. Okay. So I was like, okay, mate, I haven't got 12 and a half million quid in the bank to pay you your half of the, of the business. Yeah. We're going to have to do, uh, have to find someone to buy the business. And we did all the whole, you know, get your business fit for sale kind of thing. But before we even pull it out to market, we had like offers coming in. People, we, we were just a sort of the business. And then- um, What was the name of the business? Timothy James. Timothy James, okay. Yeah. And um, we got this offer that was really, really good. I accepted it. And then at the last minute, they pulled out. And then this uh, this other firm, came, other private equity firm came in, made a good offer, to, accepted it, did, did all the deal. Pete left straight away kind of thing. The first year was really good. And then the second year, uh, it all went to pot. They kind of infiltrated my board. They kind of, the culture was destroyed in terms of like, I was in the office looking at spreadsheets all day long. They were counting the coffee granules. I wanted to drive the business forward. The business was built on culture and belief and investment. Whereas they were looking at the, bottom rightly line. so to a degree, yeah. but they were looking at the bottom line so much. That but that's what private equities do. Yeah. And anyone out there listening, if you get private equity, they want, they want their blood. Mm. you know oh, and, and and you so so just to break that down within five years how many full-time staff did you have in nine years we put it from nothing to like 90 90 something staff wow yeah. in nine years this yeah, was nine years wow yeah, yeah and in the ninth year you decided you wanted to sell out and get yeah. private equity on board to buy you out yeah how long did they how long did they need to keep you on for well the idea was that i would stay on for three to five years i became the ceo the, the whole reason was they, they would come on board, Pete left straight away. I would stay on and then in three to five years, we'll get it from 20, 25 million up to 100 million quid and, and you know, really go for it. That was the objective of doing it. But um, it all dismantled within two years. I then had to take them to court. It took uh, four years to get them to the high court. Within two weeks, again, two weeks to go to get them to the high court. I ran out of money. Mm. I, I spent about 600 grand on fees. I was I was fucked financially. It was fucked mentally, um, because they. It's difficult to talk too much about it because I, I've signed an NDA, but I was engineered out of the business, mm. and it transpired that that vehicle had done that to other people as well, and other people I know that have done it to one of the guys that they did it to also committed actually committed suicide himself. Mm. So it's I was in this thicker thing of being thicker things where. I'm the CEO of this very successful business one day. I'm on honeymoon. I get an email on a phone call from the guy saying, you're banned from your business. You can't speak to any of your staff. You're, you're, on, um, you're suspended under gross misconduct charges, all trumped up gross misconduct charges. So gross to, misconduct charges yeah, for what? I had to, I had, I had to fight it. They, they, was, they were talking about things like financial irregularity and all this kind of stuff. So I was in I was in this situation where I had to defend my, my myself against my business. I was doing loads of investigated work on it. I found out that he this person had done it to fifteen or twenty other people. What person is this? The, the person in charge of the private equity. Yeah. So he's done it to fifteen other businesses. Yeah. Where he goes in there, yeah. wraps up the business, the and then pushes you out. Yeah, yeah, and get, gets gets the owner to the point where they have to accept. So I was at a point where I had to accept a really lowball offer that was nowhere near what the value of the business was because I had no choice. Um, at that point, I, I, I lost all my houses. I got divorced, lost access to my children, lost my business. And I was, mate, I was, I was all over the shop. What rough year was this? 
2012, 2013. Okay. So. And when you done the deal with the private equity, what was mm. the deal for? How much was the deal for? 25 million quid? Yeah, so I was a 50-50 shareholder. Yeah. They, they bought his 50% out. So they bought his 50%. Yeah. So they gave him 12 and a half no, or they gave I, him I, six. I can't reveal how much he got. It's, it's probably, he, he, got, yeah. he, got, he got less than that because he wanted he, he went a straight he went straight away. He didn't stay on. Okay. So his attitude is give me a lump and I'm off. Yeah. Okay. Which is fair enough. Yeah. And, and what was your attitude? Give my, me... my attitude. Well, I, I got a good deal because I kept my 50%. I got a, I got a seven figure loan note. So I was, I was being paid, you know, a lot of money on a yearly basis as a loan note anyway and kept my 50%. So I was like, I kind of like got, I got a, a massive kickback. So, what lump did you get up front then? Did you I, get a lump up front? Yeah, I've, I've, I've got. Um, it was a high six-figure number up front, and that was and, and my salary and my dividends on top. So, you know, I was, I was like, well, this is, know, this is this perfect. is perfect. This is perfect. And was that all gone right? Okay, thank you very much. It's in my bank. It's safe. Yeah, yeah. It was all paid yeah. for. All, all set out. The first year was like it was almost like, it was like a bit like dawn till dusk. You've seen that film where mm. the first year was they were, they were lauding me as the best CEO in their whole portfolio. I was doing presentations to their portfolio. And then almost overnight, they were kind of. My COO was forced out. They were cutting costs. They were they were just marginalising me in the board meetings. It just became very apparent what they wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, so look, I, I can look at them. I can look at other people, but it was one of the biggest learning experiences of my mm. of my life. And what was the dangly carrot they're hanging you in for? Because if you'd got your million, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, or whatever it was, what number are you allowed yeah. to say? Well, what, what 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 did you take? What did you what was put in your bank when you done that deal? I can't say, but was it north of five mil? No, no, okay, unfortunately not. Okay, but it should have been and would have been, and if if we if we did what we said we was going to do, it would have been north of, north of ten mil. Yeah, okay. But, so. How come you didn't ask for X amount up front guaranteed, and then the dangly carrot if the business does well and I drive the business, I get another three, four, five mil on? Well, I, I did. I, the first two years there was a loan note mechanism where I got that, but on year two. They didn't want to pay it out. They didn't want to pay it out because of what was, what they said was going on. So I was in a situation where, honestly, okay. I, I, you felt I, trapped. I, I had three different lawyers on it. You know how much it cost to send, yeah. to send a letter. Yeah. Like, we're talking like five, six hundred quid to yeah. send one letter. And I was just going, and they were saying, that they couldn't give me a cast iron. They said, look, he's banned to rights on it, but it's, it's going to take you this long and cost you this amount of money mm. to get there. Even when you get there, we can't guarantee it. So I, of course I had to persevere it. It wasn't just the money. It was the whole kind of like at, the, Stress. at the time, like... You know, there was a lot of gossip and talk. Uh, people were just saying various things. And I learned a lot about who I thought were my friends and my, my the people I wanted to trust. And then, and then when it all came out, you know, everyone was kind of coming back. So I just, I just, I walked out of the family home with two bin bags. I was sleeping on mates' sofas, on Airbnbs. I just didn't, it was one of the darkest, if not the darkest moment in my life. Um, I'm through it now. But I mean, I was doing things like, I was going to write letters. I, I, I had a journalist. I was going to write letters to the news of the world because I had loads of heat and, and, and shit on this guy that that I knew was true. And it was one of those dark thoughts. Of how can I get him? I need a bargaining chip here. How can I get him to say, I'm going to pay you what you deserve? And, it, and at the last minute, I pulled out on that. I just kind of rolled over and accepted what I had to accept because I, d I didn't think I had a choice. What's the name of the fellow who did that? He's, I, I, he's, uh, he's an ex, an, an ex, an ex dragon. You're joking me. No. One of the dragons then? Yeah, an ex, an ex dragon, yeah. Wow. So everyone in the country will know him. Well, he's a, yeah, I mean, as I say, I can't, um, 
say his name say much more than that yeah. and you know it's not necessarily um right for me to to speak much more about some of the other stuff that happened but it's not uh uncommon knowledge because it's, it's publicized that they came into my business and that's what happened it's publicized and what it. was the what was the private equity firm called okay So your experience of building a business up for nine years, mm. private equity coming in with a big dangly carrot, you getting all excited, going, I'm done for life now, mm. to turn into a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And it's something that I've had to contend with and deal with. And it took me probably four years to even get out of my own bed. You know, I was depressed. I was down, all that kind of stuff. And then what I did do, I, I, about four years, it's only about four years. How old were you at that time when you'd done the deal? Uh, when I'd done the deal... 32, 33. How old are you today? 46. 46. So yeah. you were 32. 33, 30, something like that, yeah. Okay. 12, 10, 12 years ago, yeah. And they, they, did they give you, when you come into the business, said, right, we're going to give you X amount of front and then we want you to work on and carry on as an earn out for the next three years to build the business, mm. then you can have your, nov- your other yeah. 50% or whatever it is. Yeah, they sell it together and walk away, yeah. Yeah, that was, the, that was the idea. What was the moment, like, you seem like a clued up lad, like mm. what was the moment when you knew something quite wasn't wasn't right right with this private equity and recruitment company well i th- I, th- I think that because the the initial deal that was struck was so good and under no circumstances did i think they'd do what they do so i i had i had some some doubts pretty pretty early on um but because of the track record of who he was and who they are you know you kind of think that their modus operandi would be to build and scale and sell for the i didn't think for one minute they'd do what they'd have to do so that you know i i i I got to look at myself. I got to take accountability for it. It wasn't the best decision of my life, but what wasn't? You know, doing a private equity deal with those mm. with those people mm. because on, on reflection, you know, um, it didn't work out so well. But I can sit here and, and look at myself and blame myself. It's not going to do me any good. It's one of those things. And what it has done is brought me a different lease of life, a different viewpoint on on life. I came back onto LinkedIn, told my story in a very vulnerable way, and I've built a brand new business. That person's massive on LinkedIn, by the way. Yeah, he's he's quite big any everywhere, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he's got he's he's he's, he's what he is. Um, Did you ever clash with him before any of this come out? You said you were on your honeymoon and that they sent emails that they want you out. There must have been some trigger points where you go, you know what? Me and him don't actually like each other, but I've got to play cool and be nice to him because he's going to give me a nice bit of wedge at the end of the three years. Yeah, as I say, the first, as I say, it was very clever how it was done. The first six, nine, twelve months were very kind of like. You're my pal. You're my you're my man, kind of thing. Let's let's, let's go. And then it gradually you just turned. They just turned the screw. They just they just did things that were just kind of like, oh, for fuck's sake, we've got to go through that again. Or, you know, we want to hire somebody. We've got our six different people and get it mm. signed off. And it's like everything just became difficult and hard. And it was like, and the the, the justification for not doing stuff wasn't wasn't in any way justified, but. You kind of had to pick your battles with it, and it's kind of it just felt it, it just it, as you can imagine in that situation, it took me nine years to build it. Yeah. In nine months, it was dismantled. It was just so the stress level was really, really high, mm. um, and uh, I had no one to really turn to, and it started to affect the business, and it, people just people just didn't enjoy it there. So it became a depreciation depreciating asset, mm. but it was very clear to me that um, that was their agenda. I have to say that was their agenda from the day one, and. I could look at myself and say I should have, should have seen that, but I didn't, mm. and it's done. 
So you've got to move on. You've got to dust yourself on. Sometimes these things happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, am I over it? I don't, I think I, I think I'm over it, but I think that I've got no resentment towards him. If I saw him like. <laughs> Have you seen him since? No, but I'm, I'm, I'm now kind of a, an NED in the sector. I'm going to different award ceremonies. I'm going to bump into him at some point. Yeah. And you can imagine in a situation, I've gone through situations where if I did see him again, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd want to like, do something to him. Yeah. And I thought, what's the point? Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, um, that's, that's it. Mm. It's not an easy, not an easy one to deal with, but I mean, to lose that sort of money, that sort of, to happen in such a public way. Um, but I'm proud of myself, how I've bounced back and what I've done. And I've used that. I've used that experience. I've been open about it. I've, t- I've, I've, I've on LinkedIn, you know, I've got quite a few followers on there. I've told my story, uh, you know, I think his objective or their objective was to put me in a position where I couldn't be able to come back. I couldn't talk about it because not many people can come back from these kind of things, right? Mm. It's not an easy thing to come back from, but I prefer to be myself now. If anything, I was a CEO, I was running around doing all my stuff and I did things that I shouldn't have done as well, but I'm happier now than what I was um, then because it was all about the next office mm. 5 million 10 million 15 million every time i got there i wasn't I wasn't happy it was like a bit of an anti-climax you know mm. so don't get me wrong money's important but it's not the be all and end all well, you think about it, it's your baby mm. it's your baby oh. you built for nine nine whole years you built your team around you you built amazing yeah. people around you you built the bought in the best people you're flying high yeah, all of yeah. a sudden you're going right let's take some cash out of this and then they come in and like most PE out there, private equity will go get rid, get rid, cut it off. What's the bottom line saying? Yeah. Make it tighter, make it tighter so we can flip it on in a few, yeah. few years' time. There must have been something. I'm a firm believer there's two sides to every story. There's actually three sides to every story. Yeah. There must be something that you look back at and go, you know what? I made a mistake there or yeah. I can see why they were pissed off at me. Obviously, I've asked myself this question about a thousand times. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I was I was the driving force of the business. I was the character I was the, you know, the per- the person that would motivate the team. But you know, I I got very close to the team as well, too close in many, in many cases. I, I spent too much money. Uh, I was very frivolous with my money. I had relationships with people in work I shouldn't have relationships with. So that didn't help uh, situation there. So I look back and I thought, you know, having having that amount of money at mid twenties, early twenties. It was a bit of a, a bit of a kingdom for me where I could I could earn lots of money. You know, be a bit of a celebrity in my own right in my in, in, in that sector, and kind of, yeah, I, I took it too far mm. on many on many occasions. I I shouldn't have done what I done. So there's a, a massive accountability piece for me as well. But people can judge whether I should have lost the business because of that. That's up to them. But if anything, it's probably a good thing happens because I'm a different person now. So yeah, I'm, I made massive mistakes. I I I. Uh, the stuff I shouldn't have done, but then I think these. I think this was ten, twelve years ago. I think nowadays having relationships with your colleagues isn't isn't as frowned upon as mm. it was then. I don't know. I'm not trying to justify it, but mm. you know, I was, I was, uh, I took, I, I, I made the most of my, of my power. I'll be honest about that, and I probably abused my own power. So there's a huge element of this that I take accountability for as well. Did you find that your ego became really big? With yeah. a lot of money, oh, massive, mate! I just, I just, I, I thought, I thought I was unstoppable. I acted sometimes like I was unstoppable. 
you know, go out on a night out, spend 10, 12 grand because I could, you know, three different Range Rovers, spend 16 grand on a three night stay in Sardinia, all these, I'm showing off. These are just mm. at the time I thought I was, you know, I just, at no point did I think what would happen, what would happen. So to knock me off the pedestal was probably a good thing, but yeah, I also defy other people in that situation, you know, considering my background, I'm not using that as a justification, but for me, it was just like, I almost felt a sense I deserve this. Yeah. I deserve to be like, you know, this kind of rich kid with all these trappings around him, but it soon it did trap me and it did, at the end it was my downfall. So, and I think, I think they smelt that, they smelt the blood. They kind of looked at me and thought, hang on a second, this guy is, is great. Otherwise you wouldn't invest in the business, mm. but also, you know, he's a bit young, he's a bit naive. What can we get him on? If I make a couple of mistakes, they can use that to their advantage, which is what they did and capitalize on it and kind of like, and they, and they saw it. So. Yeah, I learned. I learned the hard way. They kind of homed in on you, didn't they? Yeah, like like vultures. Like, so yeah, they could see that. Um, they also did it very well. Where some of the, the existing people, you know, when I was away on honeymoon, they interviewed all my all my all my own people, and tried to create this fabrication of this is what's going to happen. You need to be very careful and kind. Of, so I came back to this kind of shit storm, and it was just you can imagine. I didn't just lose my business; I lost my integrity. I lost my purpose. I lost the trust of everyone around me. I was exposed in this goldfish bowl. It was like, wow, you know, and it was, it wasn't an easy one to, to get through, to be honest. Do you think any, like, the team that you built then would look back and how would they describe you, do you reckon? Most of them are still friends of mine. Um, at your peak though, when you were at your peak yeah. partying, buying yeah. Flash Airy, buying this, yeah, flying yeah. here, da, 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 giving it large power. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. other people can see get resentment by that. Yeah. Some people are like, we need to knock him off. Who do you think he totally. is? Did, did you find I, that? I, I think that I can't speak for them. I'm not in their minds, but I think a lot of people liked it. They thought it was great. That was inspirational. But in the culture that I was in, it's different now. I'm, it was kind of like it was the done thing to 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 work hard, play hard, get the money, do your thing, and, and I, I kicked the fuck out of that. I I, I really pushed that <laughs> quite hard, you know. Um, and I, I don't there's there's things that I I don't necessarily regret because you only live once. Um, and yeah, without a doubt, there's resentment. Even even Mother Teresa gets fucking you know. Uh, bad press. You, yeah. you, you can be the nicest guy, the straight-laced guy, or you can be yeah. the maverick guy. I, I just think at that time that was me. Um, but if I knew that then what I knew now would be a different story. But mm. everyone says that, don't they? Mm. <laughs> Is there any regrets you've got for any of your actions that you actually did while you were working with at the time? Yeah, there, there's quite a few, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> where'd we start yeah how long you got <laughs> canal um yeah i i, I had a, a couple of relationships with colleagues in work that i shouldn't have had um and ultimately that didn't help with my credibility let's be honest so that that is probably something i shouldn't have done and i regret um doing the deal with them in the first place is something i, I look back on and think wasn't the best decision of my life. But then I also flip that on its head and go, if I wasn't that kind of, let's just get this fucking done. Let's get that big office. Let's get the 10 people in that we can't afford. Let's yeah. do that. We wouldn't have been in the position we've been in. Yeah. So I think that I'd prefer to regret something I've done than something I haven't mm. done. 
So I look back, I look up back at myself and think, and on a second, what's that, what's happened to you, mate? You're you're fucking twenty four, twenty five. You built a twenty five million quid business. Mm. Yes, you were a bit wild and reckless. You were, but also it takes a special kind of person to do that as well to a degree. So um, I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but yeah, I've made some mistakes mm. definitely. And what what sort of per I can visualize the personality you were mm. at that time, mm. and there's no right, there's no wrong, yeah. etc. What were you like when you were going back home to your wife and your family? Well, I got um, married pretty much at the same time as this was all crumbling down. What year? So this was 2012, yeah. 2013. So you know, as 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 I was getting married, you know, the 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 business was I was in the midst of this kind of stuff that was yeah. happening as i said on my honeymoon we got the letter through so i was uh stressed i was uh angry i was frustrated i was distraught i didn't know i just i just i just felt bereft of didn't know what to do like one day i'm the ceo of big business and then the next day i'm watching judge judy every day it was yeah. just so I wasn't attentive. I wasn't. I wasn't present. I was just. I was just absorbed. Just absorbed. And the whole thing, right? The whole thing went to a. In the end, I got him to agree to an independent kind of valuation thing, and it came out a certain number. I just. I just think back that, I just the whole process was was was, was, I think rigged, from from the very first moment to the very end. I, I almost think that no matter what I did. I think I was probably lucky to get what I got because I just think that very sophisticated, very clever way of, you know, and it's business at the end of the day. Mm. But for me, business is business, but not to the point where people are losing their lives over it or nearly mm. losing their lives over it. I think you can go too far with it. Were you using while working? Using? Drugs. Yeah, I did drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that you were using more and more the more stress and pressure you're under? Um, not, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it was like that. I think that, um, I'm glad I don't do that kind of stuff now. I haven't done it for a few years, but back then, yeah, I was, I don't think, I don't think it helped the situation, but at the time you think it does, but that's, that's not great for the clarity of thought. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't admit that, but mm. yeah, I've, I've, I've done drugs before, um, cocaine. Whilst uh, in charge of my business, um, and it's not it's not a great not a great thing to do. But um, there's also, I think that I'm not the only person on the planet that's done that either. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. So yeah. you know, half the city in London. Yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah, at least probably more than that. Yeah. Um, how did it make you feel? Like you've gone through, you know, a tough childhood with your mum. Is she still alive? Nah, um, no, she is actually. I, I, my dad died five years ago, but I, I, I tracked her down. She lived a mile away from where my dad lived. Found found out where she lived, knocked on the door. She looked like this this shell of a woman. Like she invited me in, and this after like five minutes, this mad geezer came in and just like punched the door, and it was like it must have been over all. It was those, those council house settees was had holes in it. It was just. Mm. And I said, why didn't you even phone me? She couldn't put, she moved, even moved to Bristol where I live and didn't tell me. And she just basically said, it wasn't your dad. I just, she basically said she couldn't be bothered. And I was like, you know, she told me she's got four or five other chips. So I've got four or five other brothers and sisters I didn't even know about. She just basically said that she couldn't, didn't want to be with my dad anymore. My, and I found out that when, when, um, 
um, when we was in the caravan. My dad used to go to work and he had a Fulham football club pennant, you know, one of his mm. pennants. And she used to flip it around to indicate she was open for business, as in she was a prostitute. And she used to do a thing whilst me and my brother were in the other room, all that kind of stuff, and just mug my dad off totally. Um, and uh, I left there after about an hour trying to chat to her, didn't hug me, didn't ask my number, and didn't even, that was it. So for me, I didn't need any closure, but it was just like, <sighs> Fucking hell, to, to be dumped, abandoned by your mum, and then to give her another chance like 20 years later and she's still the same. It was like, so it's, it's, it, it did affect my relationships. Uh, I attracted the wrong women in my life. I, I attracted the women that, that, that saw my vulnerability and took me for a ride and all this kind of stuff. But now I'm accountable for that as well. So it, it really, uh, the whole thing really messed me up, really, mm. you know. Um, and uh, my dad as well, when he remarried, um, she had ME and also had a, a learning disability. She had like a, 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 what do you call it, a mental age of about, I'd say, probably about 10, 11 or 12. My dad had multiple sclerosis. Um, she wouldn't do any of the housework at all. So... My friends, my friends would phone up and say, um, "Where's Chris?" And she'd go, "He's doing the fucking hoovering," and slam the phone down. I used to go out at night. She used to bolt the door from the inside. It was like I remember one time it was like minus three on a winter night. It was about midnight. It was about fourteen, fifteen. She wouldn't let me in. She opened the patio door, said, "You can sleep outside." You fucking cunt. All this kind of stuff. She used to beat me up, stop me going out. I used to do all the cooking and cleaning with my brother. She didn't do anything. She just sat there, watched TV all day. It was kind of like, so mm. <laughs> my whole childhood, not trying to be like, I feel like I'm just like laying it on thick now, but that was that was my childhood. That was, I had no, no, no concept of motherly love, wasn't nurtured. My dad didn't hug me. I, I had none of that, none of that. Um, you know, and then I moved to Bristol uh, and... Uh, met this Irish girl, got pregnant with her um, pretty quickly after about six months. And then we broke up the moment that he, my eldest was born. And then she took him away to Ireland, didn't see him for like six years, which killed me, and then got him back. And then, took, and then he went away again. So the parental alienation thing. So my whole... My whole life up until pretty much, I'm 46 now, up until 42 has been big events, big things happening. Yeah. Um, and it's only been the last four years where I've done a fuckload of work on myself mm. and I have to rebuild myself. And I think that I'm a mental health first aider, I'm a coach, all this kind of stuff. You can have letters, I haven't got any letters after my name, not qualified, mm. but I'm qualified in my lived experience. And I've utilized that experience, right? To, to build my, 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 my new business and, I think you've done yeah. amazingly well, Chris. Thank you. From that, listening that, to the story now, mate, yeah. like you've done amazingly well. And sometimes you just got to stop yeah. and reflect, and because you've yeah. had a mad life. It's mad, yeah. It's it is mad. mad. Hearing it now, it's a it's a mad life you've had, and mm. you've had no fatherly figure or mm. role model in your life from your mum or your dad. Like you were just working it all out yourself, and to build a business yeah. that you could sell for twenty five million quid. 
Massive respect. Hmm. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I, I thought it's only been the last kind of couple of years where I thought actually that was quite good. <laughs> yeah, really good. But it means you can go and do it again. Yeah, but you won't make the mistakes because you didn't have no. a role model. No. You know, you didn't. Wasn't brought up with money. You brought up in a caravan, seeing stuff kids shouldn't see, not yeah. having anyone there to grab you and give you a hug and come here, come here, son, or whatever. Yeah. You Literally, I had none of that. And uh, I've got two, I've got my eldest now is 22, I don't see, but I've got uh, two beautiful boys, six, the six and nine. I see them every other weekend, every Wednesday. And I adore them to bits. And it's almost like I've been taught how not to parent yeah. in a way. It's probably the, one of the best lessons I have. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to give them any, any inkling of mm. what that was like. And I kind of like, so. Did your mum, when you went back to see your mum, did your yeah. mum know how successful you were? So I tried to explain what I did. She can't even, she couldn't fucking spell recruitment. Do you know what I mean? Okay. She doesn't, didn't, she, I'm talking, it's like talking to someone who was like, she looked like a ghost, mate, white, white skin, uh, really white. And just, she just, I think she was like high on weed or whatever yeah. that day. She was just. Going back to recruitment, just explain to me what recruitment is, how you earn your money in recruitment. Explain to the mm. listeners so we know that you go and find people jobs for mm. 100 Gs, 100 grand. What cut do you take of that money? How does yeah. it all work? Well, it's usually in the region of 20, 25%. And of that person's salary? Yeah. On a one-off hit? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a misconception, right? People think it's just matching a CV to a job description. If it was that easy, every Tom, Dick, yeah. and Harry would be doing it, right? Yeah. It's about really understanding what the client wants from a technical perspective, also behaviors and attitude, and going away, doing a proper search, sophisticated search, interviewing as many people as you can as quickly as, as possible, and delivering that candidate who is committed to that role, isn't going to take anything out. There's just so many different stages, the time the time it takes to find that hire. Mm. So you can't necessarily put a price on getting that hire right or getting it wrong. The amount of times where companies feel they can do it themselves and they haven't got the due diligence in place. So it's all, all, the, all the, the, the right interview techniques, all that kind of stuff, the time. I think the biggest thing that you can justify your fees is the time it time, saves yeah. to, to find that person. Um, and the candidate, of course, the candidate doesn't... Um, charge you anything mm. but they're the ones that can <laughs> that can at the six interviews when they've told you they're going to take it 100 grand all the way can't wait and then let them fail say oh sorry i've taken something else yeah. they, they can change their mind so yeah. it's, it's it's there's many facets to it i can see how you can scale that kind of business quite mm -hmm. quickly because you're thinking right you're going to find someone underground job you get 25 g's yeah you can employ new member of staff new member of staff new member of staff as long as they're getting one sale or two sales each each yeah. year to cover themselves and away you go yeah there's also contract as well so we we on that big business that I built, we seventy percent of it was contracts. So that what that means is that uh, we we had about two or three hundred contracts working for us. Once they running for six, nine, twelve months, you don't even have to turn up. You get money whilst you sleep as well. Whereas the perm side is, it's a bit kind of like you got to climb the icy mountain every day. You know, you got to keep yeah. doing it. You got to keep doing. What's it. the difference? So a permanent, right, twenty five grand out of the underground. Yeah. What's the other one? It's it's, it's still it's still twenty five percent, but you might pay you might pay a contractor I don't know five hundred quid a day and charge a client seven hundred quid. Right. A day. Okay. So every day is there, you get two hundred quid. Okay. And that can last for how long? Can so you keep rolling? Last for two, three, four years. Do you know what I mean? So we only had 200 contractors working for us, but it was 100 grand a week, GP, every week, 100 grand in the bank every week without doing anything. That's great. <laughs> Happy days. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. And that's how you do it, right? Wow. And that, a lot of people are doing that. You know, all these online courses where people subscribe, all yep. these subscription things. So that, that was why our business was really good because we knew we had like, if we didn't turn up for two years, we'd have excellent amount of money coming. Yeah. So we could go, actually, let's go and get, 12 more people and I think if I'd give any advice it was you know try and try and get that contract contract of it running mm. and then what about the what about the journey of growing from you Pete your partner mm. and getting up to 100 staff mm. 
How long did it take you to, how many years did it take you to break the back of this business model? Well, mate, so um, it started it started out like with like trying to look at the logo and all this kind of, it's sort of like, well, whatever, let's just get on with it. So I, 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 <laughs> what was Pete bringing to the table? Because yeah. you're obviously, you're obviously yeah. the go-getter, it seems to me. Yeah. Well, Pete, Pete was like, my, it was a bit like yin and yang, really, because Pete, Pete had loads of perm experience, I had loads of contract experience, yeah. so that, that helped. I was the, I was the, I was the biller. So at, at the start, it was like me doing most of the billing, but mm. he was, he was good with setting up the operations, and the accounts mm. and the format, formation mm. of that. And it, it was a good kind of thing because I think we needed both aspects of it. Because if, if he had two of me. Yeah, it'd be not there. Yeah, it'd be not there. Having two entrepreneurs, that would no. So he was setting up the infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Making the operation side yeah. work, and you were the go getter. Yeah. And oh. it was brilliant at the start. It was. It was amazing. We got on really well, and you know, and it's. But as the business grew, I think that objectives changed. It's like having a marriage. You have you have ups and downs, mm. and sometimes you get to a point where you feel it's best to go separate ways. And you know, I think that we couldn't have done it without each other. Let's put it that way. Uh, and we had our trials and tribulations. We had our luck as well. At one time, a client paid us thirty grand twice. Uh, if, if they didn't pay us that twice by mistake, we wouldn't be able to pay the, the staff. Yeah. You know, we had stuff like that. But we had times when uh, without Pete, the business wouldn't have been really successful. And there's times without me, he would have said the same thing. But also there's times where we infuriated, infuriated mm. each other, like most businesses. Was, was Pete a party boy? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was, yeah. as much as you? Well, I, I think it's difficult difficult to quantify. I think it's probably a subjective, objective yeah. one. That one. And your view? Um, Seems like you're a spender. You like the you like the high life, the clubs, the the vodka. The, back then, the back then I did yeah, vodka so, bottles, turn VIP, and so all that. did he. But I was, I was, I was, I was often last man standing. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we know many of them. Yeah, yeah. But like now, I, I look at a beer and I fall over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't do it anymore. So mm. things have changed. When you were spending on the card in your business, were you whacking on the card, business card? Yeah, just like yeah. So, there, so there must have been a point where your business partners be like, "Can you stop spending as much? Your, did your spending get out of control a little bit?" No, nah, we were both kind of like we were both kind of like the similar in that regard. Like we went to. Um, Vegas, and then managed to get ringside seats for the Ricky Hatton fight. We're sitting behind Beckham and Jolie and all that. Yeah. Like we spend stupid. We both we both like it because we both we both enjoyed that aspect of it. I was probably a little bit more less frugal than him. Should we say? <laughs> there we go. We got it. Got to the got yeah. to it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think that I'm not going to hide that. And yeah. but also, I took that into the into the into the business as well, where he had the caution. Sometimes that caution was needed. Sometimes no, mate. Let's, let's get, go for let's it. Let's get this person yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. And kind of like it kind of balanced down. It kind of worked. Mm. So, how many years did it take you to break the back? Out of those nine years, yeah. was it year three? Yeah, I think year so. four. Yeah, we moved. We had we had a small office in in, and then we moved a two person office to a four person office, and then we had like five or six people. And as as I said, we had a few contractors in there. Uh, after two or three years, I think we we're billing about eight hundred, nine hundred million quid. And we just saw this office and I said, let's just go for it. So it was about three years. And then the, the big ticket was, I think we, we hired um, this girl to head up our public sector team. And after within 18 months of her coming in, we kind of went from like 2 million up to like 9 million really quickly. And then we, we just we blew up. And so we, we won three Virgin Fast Track 100 awards in a row. So lunch at Richard Branson South three times in a row. So say again, you had lunch with Richard Branson. Yeah, free time. Don't. Yeah, you know, it's the Sunday Times, Virgin, Fast Track 100. We're yeah. the top 100 fastest growing companies three times in a row, which is very, get it once is great. Yeah, get it free Absolutely, in a row. Absolutely, yeah. And then. Uh, Mate, I'll just hold that there. 
Massive respect for Thank that. Thank you, mate. mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I appreciate like, that. Yeah. yeah, let's not just fluff over that one. No. That's mega. Yeah, and then yeah. three, three three-star best companies awards in a row for our culture. We're the second uh, best company to work for in Europe. We had all these all these awards, and it was just like, yeah, it was it was one of the best recruitment businesses at, of its time, and people still say that. People mm. people still say that what we did, our culture, and how we did it was just a process. Was just. It was just good enough. I think my and Pete's as well, but my 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 infectious kind of like there was no horizon, there was no limit. So what I'm talking about, oh, you were going, driven. I was yeah. like, so I think whilst people can look at me and go, oh, he was like that, but I think you need to have that. Insa- a good entrepreneur's got this insatiable yeah. hunger to go obsession. There's there's, there's no fucking yeah. limit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So tell me, you just mentioned there between two and nine mil. Is that yeah. turnover in, of their yeah. salaries including that, or is that just turnover the money you're bringing into the business? No, it's, ter- it's actual revenue. So like uh, on perm, we probably were doing about two or three million quid, which is just normal revenue. So that's two, two or three million quid that's yeah. coming into your bank for your commission. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we had turnover of about 25 million on top of that, which is the contract revenue. Because if you think about it, some of our contract runners were paid like a grand a day. So it's five grand a week, 20 grand a month yeah. for one contractor. Yeah. And you're charging the client 25 grand a month. It racks up quite a lot. Yeah, okay. So the actual GP was about eight or nine million. The turnover of the revenue every every year was, was Ridiculous. 25 million quid. Yeah. So, you know, we were flush in that regard. Mm. You know? And we, we went to Mon- went to the Monaco Grand Prix, which is which is awesome. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't change that for the world. And uh yeah, it was. We we enjoyed it. We we looked after our people. You know, we people. Most a few of our people were driving Aston Martins, all that mm. kind of stuff. So, but it got to a point where, um, yeah, I, I wanted to take it on to two, three, four hundred people. But I think uh, I think I did the best I could in the situation. Mm. Maybe it came to a conclusion at the right time for me personally. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm about to say like, do you think there's a godsend that it all came to a head like that? Obviously, it's not the perfect scenario for you no. to the payout and, yeah. and fighting with the Dragon's Den and fighting with this team and mm. you were getting squeezed out and pushed out every angle and they're probably getting the people who were your people who you brought on board, they're having quiet words with them to say, do this, do this, we don't want him in the business anymore. Yeah, yeah. Is it because they thought you were a liability? Who? What the private equity firm? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of probably thinking that, although they wouldn't have done a deal in the first place. I don't think if I was that much of a liability. Um, but Did they, they know they, they, they what portray- you were like? Do you think before yeah, you come I, on board? Probably. I think they they portrayed that and they they jumped on that. Whereas I think the right private equity partner would have harnessed that and utilised that. Mm. So I think, as I say, they kind of they they could have gone the other way with it, but. If you think about the business when I was gone, even when I was gone and I finally exited mm. that business, there was still two, three, four years of ongoing recurring revenue. Re- yeah. So they were they were fucking quids in. Yeah. You know. So they, I think they, they irrespective, I could have been the best CEO or, or what I was like. I just thought they looked at the whole thing and thought, if this guy wasn't here, uh, it wouldn't be where it was today. Number one, because yeah. you built a great business. Yeah, but. If that guy's not here, we've what's the worst? And we don't do another deal in the business for another two years. We've still got probably yeah. a recurring revenue of yeah. 10, 15, 20 million yeah. anyway. So, what salary did they put you on? Uh, well, I was earning about half a million quid a year. <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> Quality. Yeah. Happy yeah. days. Yeah, it was all right. So you knew what your monthlies were. You knew everything was fine. Yeah, I was. So I was. I was. Yeah, but then to have that and then to have nothing yeah. was was just. If 
You could wave a magic wand right now, and I got that dragon in. <laughs> it's like Beatles about. He's round the corner. He's round the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I got him in now, and we sat down, what would you say to him? Do you know what? That's a really good question. Um, I'd want to ask him for my money, really. I really would. Um, but he he knows what it did to me because I had to read out an impact statement in, in this court thing and all this kind of thing. So what would I say to him? I just I probably wouldn't say much to him, Giovanni, because I, 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 for me, it's just like I'm over it. I'm over it. Like, you know, I've had, I've had sleepless nights where I've thought about what I would do to him, what I'd say to him. I just, I would probably say something along the lines of, uh, not that it'll matter to him. I hope you can live with yourself because, you know, uh, but it's almost a futile conversation because I think people like that, they don't, they don't necessarily care because mm. they wouldn't do what they do or what they've done. So, um, some people would probably think, why don't you go and lynch him and do all this kind of stuff? And it's like, no, it's not my, it's, for me, it's just like, good luck, good luck to him, mate. I'll probably just like, I'd even probably shake his hand. It's like, not, not in a way, like, just think, I, there's no satisfaction, you know, in a way, he's, in, a, in a funny sort of way, he's done me a favor. It's a gift. Mm. That's how I frame it. It's a gift because I'm talking about it now. And uh, the problem is, right, it's become my story. Right, I'm 46 years old, so I've got another 30, 40, 50 years left, hopefully. And I don't want this to become the story for the rest of my life. But it's one of those where, like, if you don't talk about it, mm. eat away at you. It's going to eat away at you. Mm. And um, hopefully, it will help other people. And hopefully, hopefully, people will look at this and they'll judge me for whatever. But it's almost like I'm a real life example that you can have everything lose everything and still come back in a certain way mm. i'm not saying i'm per perfect i've got a lot of work to do but i'm quite proud of myself how i've come back and yeah. i'm showing up mate you're a fighter yeah you I'm, are i can see that thank you mate you've yeah. gone through all sorts mm. you're a proper fighter mm. you spent 600 g's you said mm. on lawyers mm. my god mm. yeah fucking hell my god what year in, in the wrong game i think in in, in in what years was that in between well, 20, 2012 to 2013, 2014, so in the space of two years. Uh, yeah, so I, I was down the track with one lawyer. Then I spent another sort of 30, 40 grand on another one to get a second opinion. They got a third opinion. Yeah. And I was like, I just, it was just, go, I just like, I want to, you know, and it was just, but they did it, they did it so well that it was almost, I, I had to answer different, yeah. different questions. That, let alone the valuation of the business. And they almost then they almost said, well, the valuation of the business has got to be much lower because of what's happened and all this kind of stuff. It was kind of like they had me every yeah. which way I could take it. They they had me, and it was the more money I spent on legal fees was eating into what I would get anyway. But yeah. I had I had no choice. Yeah. So and he knew that. So at, at the death, right? Who knew that? The uh, the the, dra the dragon. So yeah. at, at at the death, I was like three weeks away from getting into the high court. Obviously, I had to convince him that I was still able and ready to do that. But at that moment in time, on the phone call to him, I wasn't. I didn't have any, I didn't have a fucking pot to piss in. I was overdrawn, fucking in debt. And this call was like, if I got that call right, I reckon he might have still kept, but I think he could just smell it. 
and he made me this offer and I said no anyway I'll retract it then and I kind of I kind of had to do it because I think he just knew yeah. that I was on my knees yeah of course he'd, he'd 100% uh, know that so yeah. David and Goliath yeah it was so, and they've got loads of money and they just keep pressing you and pressing you until yeah. you buckle yeah. why did you buckle I had no choice because because he offered me something that was enough to get me out of the shit that I was in, literally just to sort of pay off my debts <laughs> versus trying to pretend I could get it to the high court when I couldn't. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't afford the extra 60 grand extra just to fucking send a letter to get it to, you know. But if, you've, if you're 600 Gs in, yeah. surely you could find another 10% 60 bags to go, right, okay, another 60 grand, I'm, I'm in for the high court because you ain't taking the mickey out of me. Mate, we you, know who we're talking uh, about here. Yeah, I, I just, I, I beg borrowed still from every last person I could. I, I just, I just had nothing left. How much did he offer you before he retracted it? It was, it was six figures, mate. And you were like out of principle. I'm saying no. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say no. But then in the end, I had to take, I had to take that six figure sum. When I should, it should have been anything from three to fifteen million quid, My probably God. somewhere in the middle. It should have been easily, easily. But, uh, yeah, it's not all about the money, is it? No. It certainly helped, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so. Don't get me wrong. Between three and five mil, that would definitely be yeah. uh, a nice little learner. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, I'm not too sure how I would react. I've been in court cases before. Yeah, so right. I understand what you're going through. Mm. And I had a David and Goliath one as well. Yeah. But I, I personally followed it through. Oh, right. So yeah. you were on your knees as well, were you? Or? I wasn't on my knees, no, but right. it was a lot of pressure. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of pressure, um, and a big, big, big company. They'll feel like that. Just you're, you're the yeah. little, you're the little, and da, 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 but they were messing with the wrong person with me because I'm, mm. I'm, I know dog of a slipper, maybe. I'm or, sure you are. You, or you ain't do, you ain't doing me over. I don't care what it takes. Um, I do, I do have that. Sorry to interrupt you. I do have that regret where I just, I think actually, I could have fucking just tried a bit harder on mm. it at the end, and but one of them what sort of mental state were you in when all this was going on were you wanting to be just go just sack it all off i want relief how did you feel when it all happened when it finished numb absolutely numb because i just yeah. there was a little bit of relief that it was over but i just felt like how the how can i come back from this mm. you know i spent all my life building up that business and then I've basically walked away with less than F4 because of what I've spent on legal fees. So actually, I've got nothing to show for, to show it, for it. And also all the judging, perception, all the exposure of it. You know, um, how can I even get another job in the industry, let alone start a business industry? People mm. are not going to take me seriously. But you, you magnify things in your head when that happens, don't you? Mm. So mentally, mate, I was, I was, I was, I was bereft. People... My mate used to come over and think I had cancer because I was just like I was I was skinny and just not eating, smoking twenty five fags a day, stressed, just yeah. like I just hated life, hated myself, mm. hated everything really. And but then um, somehow claw myself back up. Yeah, you know. But the thing is, we know what's interesting. You, did you have any guidance in there or anything like that, or did you just go in with your gut feeling? Because if you'd have pressed him, pressed him, pressed him. Before it got to court, they would have done an out-of-court settlement. You'd have mm. got, you've got a lump to go hold on me. I'll accept that. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened to me. I pressed and pressed. You, you can take me to court. I'm going. Come on, bring it on. Let's have yeah. it. The day before, out-of-court settlement. Do you want that? Oh, happy days. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Where am I signing? 
was kind of. I, I think I, I had advice. I, 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 you know, but I just think he played it very well. He just yeah. did it very well. Um, I'm not the first person it's happened to. Uh, Do you know other companies he's done this to? Yes. I can't say uh, much more than that, but yeah, 100% I do, yeah. I factually know exactly what's happened with them and mm. the dire consequences of what's happened to the owners of those businesses as well. It's been tragic, tragic, you know. Example? One of about 20 different people this happened to where, because as you can imagine during that process, I, what, I need, what, I need, what I needed was... Um, cohorts or people that would help me against him yeah so i was doing all the investigations around other businesses that they had partnered with got through to the ceos more often than not chris i know what you're talking about i know i've been through exactly the same thing mate i'd love to help you but i can't i've signed an nda and slammed the fucking phone down about five of them like i was a like, fuck you know that they're, they're all been paid out stuff they couldn't they, they, they didn't want to be paid out on but had an NDA that they couldn't they couldn't say any more than that. So they were paid to keep stum. That's my assumption. Wow. Are you involved in the industry today? Yeah. You are. Does it give you pride, like knowing what you know and what you're speaking about now, that one day you feel like you're going to get your own back? I've already got my own back, mate. Yeah. So four years ago, I set up my NED coaching business. I've helped over 50 recruitment businesses scale. And I've talked about I haven't been as open about what specifically happened, but I've been honest about me losing my business and um, my revenge, not that I want revenge, is it's, it's, I've done this for me where I've come back in the industry and I've got a great client base. I enjoy what I do. I'm not working anywhere near as hard as what I used to do. I can choose the clients that I want to work with. They pay me a good amount of money because they know I can deliver. And actually yeah. what happened to me has enabled me to win my business because people want to know what happened. People mm. want to know how a how I did how I did build a business, but also they want to know the reason why it fell apart. And so, if anything, what it's given me is is a different set of tools that no one else has really got in the sector, and positioned me in a unique position where I can help owners go through that pain. And there's owners that I've worked with that have gone through what I've gone through in terms of the stress, the pressure, being Jack the Lad a little bit, all that kind of stuff, I can see it in them. Mm. I can see it. So it's helped me in that regard. Yeah, I think you'd be the perfect mentor for anyone out there who's in recruitment mm. for what you've gone through and made yeah. the successes you have. But also you've been yeah. properly honest at cards on the table to say, well, this mm. is where I did muck up as well. Yeah, and that's that's half the battle with the, the people that I coach and mentor is it's like, you can't really kid a kidder. Yeah. And more often than not, yeah. it's not, I can do the operations, the marketing, the sales, or build all that operations for you, mate. But if you're not being true to yourself yeah. and you're acting like that, we've got to get your ego out of the way. And it's kind of like, I think that's why they come to me because they can see it in themselves. So yeah. for me, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? In any, in whatever business you're in, mm. you know, you've got to understand yourself and be true to yourself mm. and hold yourself to account. But isn't it funny though, like you think that no one at school has ever taught about money. Nah. You've gone through the route you've gone down and I know many people <sighs> come into a lot of dough and yeah. don't know anything about it. Don't yeah. know how to spend it, don't know how to save it. Mm. And they get it so easy, They like, like you were doing, chucking 10 Gs here, yeah. free cars there, a few houses here, duh, 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 yeah. duh, bang, 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 until one day, bang, it's gone. Mm. Mm. And so I find it fascinating that no one is ever taught how to protect your money. Oh, the whole education system, mm. uh, it needs to be taught emotional intelligence, financial ma money management, yep. um, all that kind of stuff. You're right. And it's just like, 
But we're told, aren't we? We're told to like get the wife, get the husband, get the, get the car, go yeah. to university, earn your 80 grand a year. And then like, I'm grateful that I'm an entrepreneur. I've mm. learned the hard way. Mm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Money, um, we're taught to save it as well. Not really taught mm. to invest it, are we? Mm. All that kind of not stuff. Not taught anything. No. <laughs> exactly. Not taught anything. So I've, learned, yeah. I've learned everything by doing. Yeah, I haven't yeah. read a book. I don't totally. do email. I've built businesses by doing. Mm. You know, but I, I feel for the, the new crop coming through, the 20-year-olds now, what yeah. they're going through, what they've gone through the pandemic, not not having friends, not having going out to to party. The whole mm. nightclub world is doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bar world, the culture, our culture of nightclubs. Yeah, our yeah. culture. People talk about theatres and 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 da 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 in in the UK. Our, one of our biggest cultures is nightclubs. Mm, it used to be. It used to be. It's not yeah. anymore. I think there was fifteen hundred nightclubs in the UK before the pandemic. I think there's like seven hundred left yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Thank God there's still a few pubs around. Do you know what yeah. Because I mean? that, that goes as well. But yeah, the whole the whole nightlife thing. That's, that's, that's the whole thing about like the whole work from home stuff now. Like it's so difficult. To, it's harder to build a business. I think now. And I know there's lots of online stuff you can do, but our business was built on the culture coming in the office, having that interaction. Yeah. And I feel that the whole mental health pandemic stuff is going to be harder to deal with because people haven't got that that interaction. Mm. You need that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Did you ever, at any point, think about doing something stupid? Like what? I've tried to kill myself a few times. Yeah, I think during during that time, um, there was a period, one in particular, there's three or four times I've tried to do this, but for about a week, I was steadfast, I'm going to kill myself. Everything I touched, every every thought I had, every movement, like walking around the house, I want to kill myself. I just, I just, I couldn't live. I couldn't function. I couldn't move. So I was planning it out every morning. I, and each day, I was getting more and more excited about wanting to end my life. So I was living in Bristol, and I thought I, I looked at the, the trains. There's Chippenham train station. I knew that high speed trains went past this train station every so often, every twenty five or thirty five minutes. Got in the car. As I was driving to the station, I was thinking, I was getting excited. I can't. I just, oh, I just can't. The relief of me ending my life is going to be brilliant. I just. So I got there, a car broke down, some geezer helped me, got to the got to the platform station, was walking up and down, people were looking at me a little bit funny. And then um in the distance I saw this high speed train coming. I thought, fuck, right, this is my chance. I can't wait. I can't wait. I just want to do it. I just want to do it. And it started to slow down, it stopped. And I looked at the front of the train and I thought, fuck, that's definitely gonna kill me. <laughs> so I'll wait for the next one. Mm. And then um next one was about to come, I got a phone call. And it kind of jutted me out of it. Got back in the car, and then I went, went 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 back home. Another time, I was at a friend's wedding. They was all on the sauce, doing all all their thing. I couldn't handle it. Went back to my room, put my tie in a knot. Was going to tie myself over the balcony. All that, all that kind of stuff. A couple of times, I've tried to do that, mate. Try to jump in the lakes and all sorts of stuff, but uh, never never did it. Obviously, wow. In the end, so. Um, and I've talked a lot about this. I've, I've been open about this on LinkedIn, actually. And uh, you get get judged for it, don't you? People say that of oh, those people that kill themselves, they're selfish. You got kids and all that kind of stuff, but you don't know that until you're in that situation. Yeah. You just don't, you don't know what it's like. It's like a hook, mate. I just I just couldn't control it. So, but what I do now is I speak about it instead. Well, that's that's the key, isn't it? Do you know what's interesting? There's a wonderful app out there, mental health app called Jack. Yeah, I know Jack. I met the guys. I know I know Danny and, and John. Danny Gray, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. John, it's uh, Jack, J-A-A-Q dot org. Just ask a question. Just ask a question. Anyone listening out there, if you've got burnout or if you're thinking about doing something silly or whatever it may be, 
all your answers on jack.org. Please mm. go and check it out. It's absolutely amazing business. Great show. It really is. Yeah, yeah. the good guys. And it's, 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 I would say it's the modern mental health because you've got like Samaritans and NHS. I'm not knocking that, but yeah. I think it appeals to, absolutely. to the right audience. To the world we're in at the moment because it's all video led. Mm. You know, if someone types in, oh, how do I commit suicide? That, that's well, that's a huge, yeah. some people type in that God knows how many times yeah, a day, you know, and what do they get up? They get lists mm. and lists of black and white writing everywhere. Mm. All of a sudden you go on Jack and then it's all video led for yeah. you in a very new age yeah. way, giving the answers. Like a TikTok, Instagram version yeah. of it, isn't it? Yeah, you've, got, like, you've got people like Paul Merson on there and all sorts it's of things. It's been open. It's good. Yeah. yeah. How are you today? Well, I was a bit nervous coming here because I know you ask quite good questions. <laughs> <laughs> um I think I'm good. I think I have my moments. I think my mental health is good, but like the next person, I have definitely have my my moments. Um, I think that I used to always say that you don't need anyone to make you happy, mm. um, but I've changed my tact on that now. I feel that the missing piece in my life is settling down with someone and finding someone um, to live the rest of my life with. But in terms of me, what I've learned is that we're all fucked up in some way, to be honest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and what I used to think was I was the only one or mine's worse or this, that and the other. So I, I look at people now, I, I, even when I was back at S3, I always used to say no one's inferior to me and no one's superior. So yep. when, when I was on the phone to CEOs, I used to sell sell really well and yeah. do what I did. Yeah. But I, I look at people now and I used to put people on pedestals. I still do to a degree, but... I was nervous coming here because this is quite a big thing. But I look at you and I think, fair play to you. Cause you're so I try to surround myself with the right people. I do get affected by people who try to be disingenuous and do me over. I'm still affected by that yeah. quite a lot. But I think that I've still got a lot of work to do. But I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of my vulnerability. I think it's a strength of mine. And um I wouldn't change who I am. I am. I am what I am. So you're a good person, Chris. Hmm. I can sense it in this hour. You're a really good person with a big heart. Thank you. Who's had a very tough upbringing. Hmm. Have you ever thought about working with someone and trying to heal the trauma as a child? Mate, I've done that a lot, and there's a lot more I probably need to do. So I've had, I've had different types of counselling. I've had. Um, different types of therapy. Um, I've had different coaches. I coach people myself as well in different guises because I've been through it myself. So I think that in answer to your question, yes, but I think even if I thought I was sealed, I still have, I still want more. Because I think the moment you stop wanting to be coached or, ther or therapied or whatever is when you, you start to lose. So um, I think that it's an ongoing journey that, I think, mm. and it should be for everybody. Because it's a big thing, abandonment. Yeah from your loved ones yeah it really is and i think once that's cleared up it's going to take time to clear mm. that up and mm. allow you to be really loved by someone mm. and find that partner and like you said mm. a minute ago it's it's not just about being single and being by yourself and that you've changed your mindset yeah. on that yeah and i think i think that probably why i haven't found that right person yet is because that journey hadn't completed but I feel that um, the right person will come along 100%. when they come along. Yep. I'm not going to force that. Yep. It could be tomorrow. It could be in 10 years' time. But I am what I am. And I think we're all on some sort of journey. Yeah. 
some sort of healing journey or yeah. growth journey. Amazing. So, Chris, I've really enjoyed this episode. Good. I've enjoyed being on, mate. So it's actually pleasure and honour. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, mate. Like that's powerful. Like, yeah. I can feel like goosebumps in the back of here now. That's a really powerful episode for someone to be so vulnerable and go, that's exactly what happened. Mm. I appreciate you giving yeah. me the opportunity to do it. And uh, I hope people can get something from this podcast. Yeah. You're a star. Thank you, mate. Cool. Good man, Chris. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Good man. Thank you. Thank you.